In the heart of the Yucatan Peninsula in Mexico, you've heard of that maybe, where the vibrant culture of the ancient Mayan civilization thrived, stood the magnificent Chichen Itza Pyramid. It is one of the seven new wonders of the world. It served as a sanctuary, as a temple dedicated, dedicated to worship Kukulkan, the feathered snake god, Kukulkan. During the equinox of the spring, the Mayan people used to gather together around the pyramid to witness what they called the descent of Kukulkan. He comes, Kukulkan, they believed, to be among the people, bringing with him the energy of the sun, the gift of water for planting, nourishment for the land, and a new growth. This awe-inspiring pyramid at Chichen Itza is aligned in a way that creates a fascinating visual effect during the spring equinox. As the sun sets, shadows cast on the pyramid give the appearance of a serpent descending the stairs and symbolizing the descent of Kukulkan from the sky to the earth. And as darkness embraced the pyramid, the Mayan people held onto the hope brought by this celestial event, a hope for a year of prosperity, abundance, and bountiful harvest. It is a time for celebration uh, among them because Kukulkan, their God, is among his people. Now, this story I, I, just, I just told you is just, just an example of the fact, the reality, that every nation, every ethnic group, every civilization on earth has stories that mirror the big story, the original story. And I believe that the story that we are going to be considering today uh, shows and tells us about this biblical truth. So I'm going to ask and I'm going to invite uh, James uh, Carr to please come and read the passage for us today. Today we're reading John 4. We're going to skip ahead to verse 19. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is a place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. 
or the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ, and when he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, James. Buenos días a todos. ¿Cómo están, amigos? <laughs> Bien, perfecto. Okay, that was enough of Spanish. <laughs> this is not Pentecost. <laughs> is it? You got the reference. Well, if you are here for the first time, my name is Roman Gonzalez, and I serve here at Ironworks, uh, or, uh, Ironworks as the assistant pastor. And uh, today, as we celebrate a missions month, uh, I'd like to um, say uh, something about that in my, in my sermon. Uh, but before anything else, uh, let me say uh, that we, here at Ironworks, we are a body, right? So if one of our members uh, goes to Tanzania, that means that we as a church go to Tanzania. So whatever I'm going to be saying, please remember, remember, remember that. So having said that, I want us today uh, to consider the art of storytelling as a powerful tool for doing missions, a powerful, a powerful tool to connect with people of other nations, cultures, in a way that resonates with their deepest desires. So that's what I'm going to try to do. Let's see if I uh, have successful, uh, success in that. So let us consider our passage. Uh, in the first place, uh, notice that the woman that, he's, uh, that, that is part of the story is a storyteller. The woman is a storyteller. Notice that in her interaction with Jesus, she responds to Jesus by telling short stories. I don't know if you noticed that. We see this in verse 12 when she says, Our, fathers, uh, our father Jacob gave us this well, and he drank from it himself, his sons and his livestock. So she's telling a story. It's a short story, but nevertheless a story. And then we also see this uh, once again uh, in verse uh, 19 and 20, and 20. The woman calls Jesus a prophet. And she once again tells him a short story. She says, our fathers worship on this mountain. But you, referring to the Jews, say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. God. So you see, there is another short story, but not, nonetheless a story. And we could unpack all that she is saying in these uh, two short stories, but we don't, have, we don't have time to do that. But when she says, our fathers worshipped on this mountain, she is referring to the patriarch Jacob who gave them the well. 
But she may be also referring to Isaac and Abraham, Jacob's father and grandfather, respectively. Uh, so, in that way, she bases her story on key figures to show how Jews and Samaritans share a common origin. Jewish, Jews and Samaritans share a common story. Uh, so, if the Samaritan is a storyteller, Jesus is there as a good listener. Jesus is there as a good listener. He is so good as a listener that he has walked a distance from Judea to Samaria to listen to the stories that these women have to tell. But the distance that Jesus walked is not geographical distance only. Between Jesus and the Samaritan woman, there are other forms of distances or distance. There is the socio-ethnic distance, the gender distance, and the moral distance. Jesus, however, bridged those distances to do God's mission. What distances do we need to walk in order to do God's mission? How do we connect with people of other nations and cultures? Let me suggest that we do that by going with the desire to listen to the stories, the stories that they have to tell us. Listening their stories is an excellent way to connect deeply with them. And that's what Jesus is doing here. He is carefully listening the stories this woman have to tell. He connects with her by listening. Friends, every ethnic group, every nation, every civilization in the world has its own stories that they are telling themselves. Stories that reveal why the, what they believe. Do you, do you know that in the Quran, the Bible of Islam, there is um, a story that is called the man of the fish. Do, do you know that? Can you guess what story that we know is this story that is in the Quran? Yes, the story of Jonah. We know the story of Jonah. But the story of the Quran has some different elements. It's a little bit different. But it tells the story of a man who was swallowed by a big fish. Uh, and the reason is because he is a sinner. He sinned against Allah. 
and he is swallowed by, by that, because of that, excuse me. In the Quran, Allah's people were going to be punished for their sins, but their punishment was removed. In the Quran, uh, we are not told why their punishment was removed. But it says that the man of the fish was in the belly of the fish for some times until it got, you know, vomited. He got vomited on dry land, on an island in the Mediterranean. So this is very basically in, in the same area of Muslims. So all cultures and civilizations have their own stories that they tell themselves. Now the question is, are we listening to their stories? Now some of you may say, oh, that was easy to spot. Uh, Everybody knows uh, John's story, uh, the, the story of Jonah. So that, that, was, that was really easy. And also, the Quran has many stories copied from the Bible. And maybe some of you would ask, how about those civilizations that were not in close contact with the people of God, with Israel? Do they also have such stories that they tell themselves and that they believe. And um, I'm going to say yes, because all civilizations tell a story that is a, it's, it's a copy of the original story of the gospel. I told you about the Mayan civilization, the descent of Kukulkan. That is an example of another civilization, another story that also uh, uh, speaks of what they, what they believe. Now, the story of the feather snake, God, this God of the, uh, the Mayan culture, um, it's, it's quite different to the story of the gospel. And maybe it's a little bit more tricky to see the gospel in it. But as I hope that as we continue, as I continue in my sermon, you will be able to see it more clearly. So we should go and listen to their stories when we are engaging in doing missions. Now, I also want you to notice that the woman's story is not quite right. And when we were reading it, we, we, maybe if you were familiar with it, you, you got it. The, uh, her story is not, or her stories are not quite right. And this is my second point if you are trying to follow the outline. Her story, or her stories, have been twisted 
and distorted. And as good as it is, being a good listener, listener is not enough to do God's missions. Jesus listened to this woman to identify and to challenge the false elements in the woman's stories. That's what he is doing. Now, what things has, has this uh, woman gotten right? She claims a common origin of Jewish, Jewish and Samaritans by calling Jacob, Isaac, and Abraham her fathers. She got that right. She, she, she's right. That's reality, right? She is also right in that God demands worship. She got that right as well. She's good. Checked. Further, she is right that God chose a people in a holy mountain to be worshipped. She got that right too. So checked. B plus, almost A, or A minus. And finally, check another thing that she got right. She is right in waiting for the Messiah to come. She got that right too. That's a lot. I mean, it's just like a, you know, an A, and you wanted the A plus, or is, is there an A plus? You're, yeah, right, okay. Maybe I never got an A plus. Maybe that's why I, I should haven't said that. That's a lot to, to have right. Now, what are the things that she has gotten wrong? Consider this. She got wrong one thing. She's, you know, for that reason, she doesn't have an A+. Plus. It's just one thing. She got wrong, or she is wrong, in that Jerizim, this was the mountain in Samaria, she got wrong that Jerizim was God's holy mountain and not Jerusalem. Oh, almost. Now, why is it that the location to worship God was so important? Well, we must remember that Three things were always connected in the messianic prophecies. If you um, read a little bit about the Old Testament, you will see that the temple, you will see that the city, and you will see that the Messiah were always connected. These three things were always connected. The Messiah would come to his temple, which is located in Jerusalem. Deliverance and salvation would come from God's holy mountain, in, which is Jerusalem. So in missing, in missing this single piece in her stories, the woman rejects God's plan of salvation 
for the nations. It was not enough to believe in the uh, patriarchal aspect of salvation history. It was also necessary to believe in the Jewish aspect that involved Jerusalem as the holy mountain. That's the meaning of the phrase, salvation is from the Jews. The Messiah would come from the Jews. He was himself a Jewish guy. So you see that in the stories the woman tells, there are vestiges of the true story of salvation. But it is mixed with false elements. And you know, this is true for the Samaritans that are represented by this woman. And it is also true uh, for every ethnic group on earth. Every ethnic group, as I say, have said before, has stories they tell themselves, stories with elements of truth mixed with false elements. And this is actually what happens in the story of the descent of Kukulkant. For some of you, this might be just a bizarre story of an ancient, undeveloped civilization. But I'd like you to consider some themes in this story, the Kukulkan story, that remind us of the true gospel story. In the Mayan story, the feather snake god descends to be with his people. Does that remind you of something else? In the biblical story, God himself, God himself descends to dwell with his people, to live among his people in the incarnation of Christ. In the Mayan story, when Kukulkan descends, it brings rejuvenation, water for the plants, hope for a whole year of bountiful harvest. In the biblical story, when Jesus, the incarnate God, descends, he brings regeneration, true living water, a new beginning, and the hope for eternal life. Do you see? The story has, the Kugelkan story, has elements of true and false elements. The God who descended to dwell with his people didn't come in a form of a serpent. He came in a human form. He is one of us. That's amazing. And you know, this is, this is the same uh, in, the, uh, 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 in the story of, the, of uh, the men of the fish in the Quran. This story is being now used by missionaries to connect with Muslims 
and to show them that the true prophet, the true man who spent three days in the belly of the fish is not Jonah, but Jesus Christ himself who had to die for their sins. So stories help us to connect, to connect with people of other nations. So as a church, we want to do missions and we want to be involved in missions. As a church that wants to be faithful to the Great Commission, Ironworks Church, let us, let us remember that like Jesus, we walked, we walk whatever distance we must to hear the stories of the peoples, nations, and different ethnic groups. And as we go and listen to their stories, let us pay close attention that we will be able to identify and challenge false elements in those stories. But not just to challenge them, but as a, preparation, uh, as a preparation to share the true story they are longing for, the gospel. So as we, as a church, go to the Tanzania, try, um, Tanzania, uh, to Tanzania or to Kenya or to the Bee tribe, let us remember. Let us remember that they are also storytellers. They are already, they are already telling themselves a story. And that story may be mixed with true and false elements. So let us carefully listen to them so that we can retell the old story to them. Let us listen, listen carefully so that we can tell them the right story again. So what do we do next when we have identified those elements of truth and false? So um, what, we, what we want to do is we want to show them that the deepest longings and desires revealed in the stories they are telling us are fulfilled and realized in Christ alone. We present them with the true story of the gospel which presents or is about Christ as the ultimate satisfaction of our souls, the true living water. And as I said in the story of Kukulkan, it is revealed the profound human desire to connect with the divine. That's what the story is all about the expression of the deep human desire to connect with the divine.
the deep desire for fellowship, to fellowship with, with God, to know God, and to be known by him. The problem is that the Mayan people saw the realization of these longings in other places, but not Christ. Not in Christ who is Emmanuel, God with us. That's why missions uh, entails retelling the old story. So we go, we walk the distance to tell them the most beautiful story ever told. And in doing that, we invite them to be part of the true story. That's what missions is all about. Now, how does Jesus do that in this passage? Let me try to bring all this together. Jesus connects the stories that the woman is telling to her personal story. Jesus connects the stories the woman is telling to her personal stories. So when Jesus told her, when Jesus uh, told the woman, bring your husband, that's Jesus asking her, tell me your story. Tell me your story. It's like Jesus saying, you claim to be Jacob's daughter. Okay. Tell me how that affects your life. Tell me your story. Now, the thing is that her story, the story of this woman, is so broken. It has so many elements wrong that she dares not to say much. But I have no husband. So Jesus goes on and keep telling her her story. Now is Jesus the one telling her her story? She might have felt the shame, the pain, the awkwardness of his inquiry. But the one telling her her story is the most compassionate storyteller ever. In verse 25, the woman, without knowing it, in an indirect way, asked Jesus to reveal himself as the great, the greatest storyteller. She says, when the Messiah comes, he will tell us everything. He will, he will tell us us everything and what did Jesus respond I am the Messiah in other words I am the true storyteller and I have the power to change your story Jesus' revelation as the Messiah 
invites the woman to be part of the big story, the original story, the story of the gospel. It is an invitation, if I may use this phrase, to be on the right side of the story. So, what is this story about? Well, the text we, we have been considering reveals the big story. And the big story, it's about God actively being involved in securing a spouse for his son. Here is the son at the well. Notice how John employs Old Testament imagery, particularly imagery involving wells, stories that took place at a well. This story of the woman at the well reminds us of Jacob's story. Jacob met his wife, Rachel, at a well. So in a way, Jacob acquired his wife at a well. And he gave Rachel water for her and also for his sheep. Do you remember this story? So in, a, in an analogous manner, an analogous way, Jesus is now here at the well, offering living water to a woman who, by believing in him, becomes part of his church and his bride. But to be able to provide living water for her, Jesus has to go into the well of affliction, despair, and death itself. This is the story that transforms the woman's story. Dear Ironworks Church, as we engage joyfully in global missions, let's remember that we go to listen to their stories. As people whose stories have been transformed, by the big story. The story of the gospel, hoping that their stories, the story of those nations, will also be transformed. And we go to the nations saying, He told me everything I ever did. Please stand.